My guest today is a co-owner and chief production officer of a mortgage banking company, NRL Mortgage. Please welcome Miwell Gibber Michael. Miwell, how's it going? Hey, good evening. How you doing, RJ? All right, going all right. Doing yeah. fine. That's hey, awesome. thanks for coming on to the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. I see you doing your thing with the podcast. It's, uh, <laughs> well, well done, well done. I like it. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. It means a lot. Well, let's jump right into it, man. Okay. What do you do? <laughs> so I am a, an executive at a mortgage banking firm called Nations Reliable Lending. I'm an executive as well as I, I'm a partner in the business. So in the business, I'm a chief production officer and kind of on the business, I'm an owner. So kind of wearing two hats, if you look at that from that preposition in and on the business. So I'm in the mortgage banking industry. Okay, great. And now you being the partner there and the chief production officer, what are your duties or responsibilities? Uh, so- so my, my day-to-day responsibilities is sales and production. So my job and my responsibility is to try and grow the business, try to bring in revenue to the company so that, you know, that can come from a you know, number of different ways, whether that's marketing or, or recruiting folks to come to our company, working with real estate agents and so on and so forth to drive business to NRL. So that's my day-to-day activity. Okay. All right. Well, first let's talk about Nations Reliable. Can you talk about the business and and what exactly you do? I know you said it's a mortgage banking business, but what what all do you do? So I'll just give you a little history. So so Nations Reliable Lending is the name of the company, and and we go by NRL Mortgage. So NRL was uh, was founded in uh, January of 2007. Most people say that's probably the worst time to open up a a mortgage bank during the right in the middle of the credit crisis. I wasn't there at the time, but a, a friend of mine, who I had known, a colleague actually. So uh, actually, if we take a step back, so I was, I've been in the mortgage banking business since 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right after I got out of college, I got into the mortgage banking industry, started working at a company called Home123 or New Century Mortgage. New Century Mortgage, if you, if you hadn't heard of them, they were, if you ever watched the movie, The Big Short, there's a scene where the, the first bank that falls is, uh, is New Century Mortgage. So that was the company I was at. <laughs> So through there, met you know several people, and one of the uh, managers at at New Century, he left New Century and started NRL Mortgage. Mm. So from there, in May of 2007, New Century Mortgage the collapse starts to kick in, and so got laid off. Uh, I was living in Seattle at the time, so was kind of scrambling, didn't know what to do. And then a buddy of mine and myself started a brand. So in the mortgage banking world, so each branch, if you think of it as like a franchise, so like think of McDonald's, McDonald's is there's a corporate office, but each McDonald's is individually owned. Same similar thing. You you have a, a branch office individually owned, you operate off of a PL. And so uh, we helped build the footprint ha- here in Houston. So I moved back from Seattle, moved to Houston. And we did that thing for, for several years. And so in the meantime, we kept in contact with a couple of folks. And so one of the guys, his name is Michael Allen. We kept in contact with him and we, t- we talked with him to see about trying to link him back up and, and seeing what we can do. And then in about early 2012, late 2011, early 2012, Buddy Vars, Acho, kind of sets up and puts us in contact with a private equity company. Mm-hmm. and took that and we had a meeting with them. So if you think of it, like kind of a triangle, you have Mewell and Ron on one side, you have Michael 
on so we, we had the business michael allen the the licensing and nrl started and then if you look at the top you have the private equity company and so we all kind of come into uh into one uh, in may of 2012 and so may 2012 if you want the quote unquote new nrl began if you will mm -hmm. So at that time, we broke out into our respective departments. I was the chief operations officer, so I got to handle from processing to, to post-closing. So mm -hmm. what that means is basically getting loans in, processing it, underwriting it, you know, kind of under understanding, you know, kind of uh, the risk profile of clients, getting to know with Fannie Freddie guidelines. And then after that, we would package up the loans in bulk and then we would sell it to the street. So I think Chase, Wells Fargo... You know, they'd come in and, you know, kind of buy in bulk, maybe $10 million worth of loans, things like that. Right. So that was my primary role at the time. And at that time was also a partner as well. And then in 2017, I made the switch. We were looking for a sales leader to lead the company. We didn't effectively, we didn't, I mean, we didn't have a sales leader, if you will, mm -hmm. sales executive. And it was kind of a natural fit I had done sales previously. I uh, was kind of doing operations, uh, kind of I was doing operations and had great relationships with our branch managers, our folks today. And then obviously with our operations team and the overwhelming response from people was uh, they wanted someone with operational knowledge. So it was kind of a natural fit. So in 2017, I moved over to the chief production officer. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019, we had a really cool opportunity to, uh, to buy out the private equity company. So that kind of came to fruition. So we were able to do that. And so, so today, you know, kind of the ownership structure is myself. And I think I, so I mentioned Ron and then Michael. So the three of us uh, are the three partners together. Nice. Okay, great. Yeah. And then now how was that transition from the COO being the chief operating officer to the chief production officer? You know, it, it was pretty easy. There wasn't a lot of uh, like listening or, or understanding how, how loans operate mm -hmm. kind of gave me the tools so that when I went over to sales, I was able to walk in, talk with a couple of branches, kind of assess where they're at and quickly identify inefficiency you know, or efficiencies where they can pick up on. And so I uh, was able to kind of fine tune some things. And so take that, kind of take some of the data that they're using, you know, whether it's velocity, so loans going through the pipeline or quality. So I was able to kind of help with them, getting them adjusted to that. So it was pretty easy, not to mention, again, I, I had great relationships with our, our, our branches. And so mm -hmm. it's been, a, it's been a great run. So today we have 60 branches nationwide. Nice. So one tough part is I do travel a lot, you know, pre pandemic, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was traveling, traveling a little bit, um, but that's slowed down. So a lot of Microsoft teams mm. calls, a lot of video calls and it's working. It's fine. Uh, I still obviously miss the human element, right? you know, being able to, you know, go out and meet with some of our folks there, but it's been great. Okay. Now, 60 branches, can you talk about how, one, how you're monitoring your teams and making sure that they're reflecting the standards that you want and also how you're motivating them as well? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know, as far as like monitoring, so, you know, I, I've got a great team around me. If you go back at the beginning of, of my career, at least as an executive, on a Friday, I was a, you know, kind of a branch manager. And then on, on a Monday, I'll become an executive. And so you're, you're trying to scramble between understanding, you know, there's no playbook. There was no guide for me to, to really read. Right. So I, I didn't kind of understand that piece. So you're kind of poking holes and you're, or you're like, like a, like a dam where, where holes are coming out and you're kind of pushing holes. And then all of a sudden you're, 
it was a little reactive and you start to, to want to get proactive. And the two things I learned is you got to have great processes mm-hmm. and you have to have great, great people. Mm-hmm. So those are two big things that I've, you know, really identified in my career. So today to kind of help monitor uh, or kind of see the situation, I do have great people around me. I think that's super important to have a really good team. Um, also, we have, we have some great technology that'll kind of pull things up that will, I guess, data that's, that's able to kind of get pushed to me on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, things that, you know, I want to identify that I want to look at. So pretty easy for me to, to monitor that piece along with having great people. From a motivation standpoint, so the good news is that NRL is, is very entrepreneurial spirit. So mm-hmm. if you're not an entrepreneur, you're probably not going to be successful in NRL. Mm-hmm. But if you have that drive, that go-getter, then you'll be very successful. You'll make a lot of money. So motivating folks is not as hard because mm-hmm. already most of the folks that we've identified or that's working for NRL already have that motivational kind of piece there. But at the same time, you know, we have contests. We do a big yearly contest. We have a mm-hmm. president's club that we'll, we, we get to bring everyone in town, folks that cross over a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. So that's able to kind of get folks going. And so, yeah, so th- those are kind of a couple of things that I'm able to do to, to really help motivate them. Nice. Okay. And then you mentioned you were traveling a lot and it makes sense with the 60 different branches. How much were you traveling pre-COVID? So it would just come in cycles, right? Mm -hmm. The beginning of the year, probably not travel too much. And then right around that March timeframe, I start traveling a little bit and kind of die back down and then kind of pick back up in the summertime, kind of die back down, pick up in the fall. So it kind of, there's kind of ebbs and flows through that, through my travel. And, And oftentimes I don't know when I'm traveling. I'm having a with someone and it's it's a meeting and it's you know the, the meeting's next week right so you know i got three or four days to prepare for it and then I, i'm on a plane so oftentimes at least again pre-pandemic i i didn't necessarily know when i was traveling it was never hey you know in four months i'm going here it right none of my travel was was ever that specific or okay. that much that much lead time i would say okay all right yeah so now you mentioned that out of undergrad you you started working in the mortgage banking industry can mm-hmm. you just Talk about that. Talk about what made you decide to get in mortgage banking and when you knew you wanted to do this. Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of funny. So I would say an overwhelming majority of people who are in the mortgage banking industry, they stumble upon it. It's, it's not uh, anything that's sought after, like, hey, I'm going to a college or a university or trade degree, whatever, and say, I'm going to go be a pharmacist or I'm going to go be an accountant. There's no path to say, hey, I'm going to go be in, in mortgage banking. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, to me, the mortgage banking world is, is a great industry. Like mm-hmm. it's untapped. I think I think everybody should should look into it and, and see because there's you know, there's a variety of different, I guess, departments or, or jobs that you could do, whether it's underwriting, processing, loan officer, or sales, so sales. And so it's a great industry. So again, so I stumbled upon the, the mortgage industry. And to be quite frank, my buddy, Ron, who I mentioned earlier, he got into the mortgage business. He stumbled upon it too, but he was living in Houston. I was living in Austin at the time. And I came in town to Houston and he had just gone through his first month and he showed me his paycheck. <laughs> you know, his paycheck was, uh, I mean, $12,700 or something <laughs> like that. It was something ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, $12,000. You know, as a young kid, you know, I mean, even today, you know, $12,000 is a lot yeah. of money. So we go to the bank together and he signed his check, deposit. He's like, he's like, deposit the 12000 and give me the $700 back, right? So think $700 in cash, keep in your pocket. You were like, oh man, that's crazy. 
So at that moment in time, I was like, yeah, I want to get in this business. <laughs> <laughs> this is the business for me. So right. he helped set up an interview for, for me. And, and so at that point, I did well in interviewing and then secured a job. I was already trying to move back to Houston anyway, so it worked out for me. Nice. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned dealing with realtors. Are you also dealing with any existing or potential clients or any, any other type of businesses that you're working with, title or anybody else? And if so, are you going to lunches? Are you going to dinners with these people? Or are you like, what, what type of things are you doing when you're trying to build and maintain relationships with your clients and partners? So certainly, yeah. So all of those things, whether it's going to conferences, lunches, dinners, so you, you name it, I got to do it. And I, and I do, and, and I am doing it. So you take a step back in the mortgage industry, there, there's what they call channels. So channels of how, how do you do business? Yeah. So we're 100% retail business. So retail means you are basically trying to facilitate or get business through some sort of referral partner. If that's a real estate agent, a builder, title company, CPA, you're able to try to, to get business that way. So that's what they would call a retail model. There's a consumer direct model. So you're going straight to consumers. So instead of attacking the real estate agent, you're going to the borrower first. And so that's a, that's a consumer direct channel. It's not a space that we're in right now, but it's a space that maybe eventually we get into one day. Then you have a wholesale channel. So wholesale means, so you just have a bunch of brokers who are out there. Most people associate the mortgage business to mortgage brokers, which is, you know, kind of in the same lane, but it's, it's, it's a little different, but as a wholesale, basically, you know, you have an account rep and you're trying to kind of gain business from a mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. So there's a few different channels of how you could do business. And there's several channels of how you can do business as a mortgage banker. Does that make sense? For us, you know, we fund our own loans. Uh, we have a warehouse bank, so loans loans are funded in NRL's name. So going back to your point about how to maintain relationships, so that's probably the number one thing, especially because we're a retail shop that we have to do, right? So we pride ourselves on customer service. Customer service is a really big thing. You know, you'd be surprised of how many things maybe kind of go wrong in uh, in a transaction. So you you know you got to have that customer service and to make sure people feel like they're getting kind of weighted on, if you will, mm-hmm. the, the home buying process, there's a lot of anxiety that yep. starts to happen, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if you're a first time home buyer, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Or if you currently own a home and you're trying to buy a home and you're trying to sell your other home. So you want that loan to go well, so you can close on that one to go, go get the other one. So there's mm-hmm. a multitude of different factors that start to happen, you know, in a transaction. So customer service is a really big deal. So, and so through that, we're constantly dealing with real estate agents, constantly start dealing with builders and trying to, you know, deliver the best service, best product that, that we can offer. But yeah, that is our primary way uh, of us getting business for sure. Okay. All right. Now with that, you're working with these relationships. Can you talk about after that, just how it works from you have these relationships with, let's say a real estate agent and you get a lead. Can you talk about that whole life cycle of from that lead all the way to the close of the loan on a high level, the steps throughout the process? Yeah. So again, we're, we're dealing with a referral partner. You know, they refer us a client. That client is dealing with either a loan officer or a branch manager, a particular branch. And, uh, you know, a client puts in an application. From the application, they get pre-qualified, if you will. And they're able to kind of see where they're at in the process. I think the biggest mistake sometimes people do is they go look at 
the house first right. before they go get pre-qualified. Mm -hmm. I mean, so for anyone that's out there, make sure you get pre-qualified first. Because, you know, the last thing we want to do as a, as a bank or as a loan officer or a branch manager is to, you know, you went out to go look at a, you know, a $400,000 house, but really you only qualify for the 300000 So we've mm -hmm. already started off on bad footing, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice for you to kind of go ahead and get pre-qualified first, see what you can actually afford, then go look at the house. So then anyhow, so we'll go through that process, get pre-qualified, they find the house. When they find the house, we'll get some documents and... These documents, again, it's gotten a little bit better, but since the credit crisis, be prepared. You know, they're going to want to see your DNA sample. They're going to want blood samples. They want to they know everything, you know, from bank accounts, deposits, all kinds of different things. And that's, again, it's to protect, making sure that there's no, obviously, any fraud or anything that has gone on in the past. So we mm -hmm. want to make sure that the loan is done within guidelines. And these guidelines are, again, set forth by Fannie, Freddie, Jenny. So anyhow, so we'll go through that process. It'll go through processing and then it'll go through, and then once you go through processing, they'll kind of go back and forth. Then loan will go into underwriting. You know, underwriting is, is typically the biggest hill to climb, if you will. Mm. So once you get through underwriting, you're approved, you probably have to gather some more documents. And then from there, you go into closing. So I think of it as, as three major steps, right? Mm. So the first step is getting pre-qualified. And then there's going to be things that the loan officer needs to get to, to processing. And then the next step is processing. And so processor is going to want some things from there. They're going to verify your employment, verify your assets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the last step is the underwriting. And so they're going to take that pre-qualification. They're going to take all the things that have been verified, look at the risk profile of, of the loan, underwrite the loan accordingly, and then you're off to the races. So I, I look at it as kind of three major steps that you have to kind of get through to, to get that loan closed. Right. Got it. Okay. And, and you guys have made it a very seamless process, right? With all the technology that you guys have invested in, where a lot of it is done just through technology. If they don't want to, they don't even need to really see much of the mortgage lender. Yeah, you know, I think nowadays it's gotten a lot easier from that standpoint. When I first started business, you take an application, you would hand that application to the processor, and then three days later, you would get the credit report, right? So that was in 2002. So imagine if you're going to go buy a house, and you're waiting for your credit report to come. You don't know what your credit is till you know three days later. Mm. Where today, now you put an application, your credit score comes back instantaneously. We can verify assets instantaneously. You know, verify your employment instantaneously. So lots of things that now that has come in that really has made the process a lot smoother. Mm. I I do think, especially lately, probably the last three years, you, you probably heard this term called fintech, where finance and technology are kind of colliding now. Yep. And you're starting to see um, a lot of that come to fruition, and especially in the mortgage banking world. And there's a lot more to go. I would say the mortgage banking world is pretty antiquated when it comes to technology. So there's a lot more room to grow from the technology space um, uh -huh. in the mortgage banking world, for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. So can you talk about what a typical day of yours looks like? Yeah. So... Well, pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Uh, I mean, like, we're not post-pandemic, but right. <laughs> pre-pandemic or now. So it's. You know, I, I would I, normally say pre-pandemic, but it's been over. What is it? Almost seven months now. So maybe we should just talk yeah, about this that. Might be a new normal. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, where it's, it's actually been a, a really good time to be in the mortgage banking industry. Oddly enough, I know you know a lot of industries have, have kind of suffered a little bit, and you know, and you can see the economy is kind of coming back. But in the mortgage banking world, it's been a it's been a hell of a year. So with interest rates kind of coming down, it's driven a lot of folks to kind of get off the sidelines and go to purchase or 
were if folks owned a home at wherever they were at, it might have been a good opportunity to to refinance their mortgage and save some money, especially where not sure where jobs and, and things will be and, and income. So I would say like this last, especially the last six months, it's been really busy. So you know, I get in the morning, I check a few updates on what's going on with my branches. From there, I do a team meeting and we do a quick meeting. I'll get some updates from them. And then at about 1030, we do an executive call daily except for Friday. So uh, four days a week, so Monday through Thursday. And so that's our way of checking in with each other. So it's our COO, myself, our chief secondary officer, our CFO, and our CEO. So the, the five of us will get on the phone and, and our director of strategic initiative. So the, so, so the, actually the six of us will get on the phone uh, every day at 1030, kind of give everyone an update of where they're at, you know, what they got on their plate for the rest of the week. So we'll do that. And then from there, I'm just on a bunch of calls throughout the day you know, whether it's with branches, with pro partners, with whomever. I'm on a lot of calls throughout the day. I mean, obviously I'm checking through email and then getting some regular updates again for my team. So, I mean, that's my day-to-day. Again, I'd probably be traveling in and out of there a little bit, but that's my normal right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. You, so much that you are doing. But I know one thing definitely that you, you would need is communication skills and interpersonal skills with all the different people that you're talking to, whether it's internally, the different officers in your or executives in your company, the different branch managers, or externally, all your different partners and clients. What other skills and characteristics do you think are most important to being a chief production officer? So you break it out in categories, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so you have sales. The first thing I would do if someone was kind of getting into the industry, I'd, I'd probably take a disc test, right? And so you can see where you are on the, on the spectrum of things and see what, which route you probably fit best in. But you know, in, in the sales route, you need to have, again, that entrepreneurial spirit. You've got to be able to be a go-getter. You, you can't be shy. You got to go, especially in the retail world, going up to people that you do not know, introducing yourself and basically trying to make a quick connection with them to eventually try to get, get business from that person, right? So, um, and that, you know, there's a lot of follow-up ups, you know, you're going to go through a lot of no's before you get to a yes. So if you don't like being told no, I would probably say sales is probably not the best fit for you. Right. And so then there's some trainings that, you know, that we can put folks through, but I, I would say that's, that's probably a, a very big skill set thing that you, that you would need to have on the operational side, you know, processing, underwriting, um, it's a little bit more analytical. You, you, you know, you got to look at the guidelines, apply those guidelines to the profile of, of the loan that's in front of you. So you've got to be able to, if you're able to kind of sit at your desk and just kind of stare at a computer and understand, you're looking at different files and, uh, and understanding what the, you know, what this person is trying to do, then the operational world would be a great fit. Um, and and I, I would say that's probably the day-to-day. As far as the chief production officer, you, you have to be able to have that communication skill. I think it's really important. And, and I think even more so as a leader, you know, because you're a leader of people. Right. Um, and I think that's something I, I keep in the back of my mind, I try to stay very humble in what I'm doing. You know, you know, this is, I think humility is, is a very big attribute as far as being an executive. I kind of take a look at that and say, you know, how do we want to lead people through this? Especially, you know, you, you look at today, you know, we're, we're, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, um, you know, there's several people who are looking up to uh, me, our CEO and our, you know, our other partner and, you know, uh, there's jobs on the line, there's, you know, benefits, are they going to have healthcare, you know, 401k, I mean, so many different things that you're, that you're trying to uh, kind of balance to make sure, you know, none of that 
uh, goes away because our intention was is and has been to you know we don't want to lay anyone off and we have it and it's been a it's been great. great so i think from, from being in that executive or in that c-suite I, I think it's just you know that leadership mm-hmm. um having humility being able to understand people i think is it's a really big quality to have because again i've been a loan officer before i've been an under I, i've yeah. sat in their seat so i i understand what they've gone through what they've done so I think for me, that's, that's probably a big thing that I just kind of keep, you know, kind of next to me. And I'll be honest with you, you know, you were a Kappa, I was a Kappa, mm-hmm. it was, we still are. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say being Pobark or being president uh, of our chapter for that yeah. year, at that time, I thought it was, man, that was, it was a lot, it was a lot going on, but I would say that, that really helped me. I, I can kind of draw parallels mm. of being president of fraternity as being kind of a leader here to, you know, I, you, you start to draw a lot of parallels to that. So I thought that was kind of unique. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I'm guessing you have to multitask, have some type of organizational skills and everything for all that's thrown at you and, you know, throwing out fires, just, just being on top of everything. So yeah. All of that, all of of that, you know, you never know. We could be in the midst of a huge month, a record breaking month. We have an auditor coming in. We have getting our financials out. We, there's six or seven things that are constantly moving at any moment in time. And so we're constantly getting updates on top of which, you know, is, you know, is that something I'm handling or is that something someone else is handling or delegated to? So that's just our normal day, I guess, if you will. Okay. All right. Makes yeah. sense. All right. Now you talked earlier about the steps you took to get to where you are. Uh, but can you talk about just basically how you're recruiting loan officers and underwriters or processors? What are you looking for and where are you going to recruit? So it's not a lot of undergraduate folks coming out of college saying, hey, I'm going to go be in the mortgage banking world. So it is a little bit of an initiative of ours to start to grab folks early on in their career or as they're graduating. So it's something that we, we've looked to do. Um, we've also started this, we call it like a mortgagee and training. So we have folks who refer folks into the program and, you know, basically it gives them an opportunity one month at a time to sit different departments to see, do they feel, how do they like it? And then the end of that, they get to kind of choose where they want to go. And we've seen some great successes. We've got, you know, several people now who are really leading, um, you know, several departments for us. So it's been great. Um, but from, a, and then, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, we're obviously, we do try to, you know, recruit from other banks or other folks. And I think that's always a little difficult, right? But um, it's, a, it's a space that we play in. The big thing, or oftentimes it's service and, and compensation are probably the two biggest reasons why folks make the move. So we have to be very competitive in that standpoint. We also have to be very competitive with our interest rates, right? So right. we have be in a place where it's attractive enough for folks to come to NRL to do business with us. At the same time, we want to be able to give the best possible interest rate or payment to our borrowers. So, um, so it's a, you know, it's a fine balance, but we, you know, we try to manage it. So, but through that, a lot of recruiting efforts that, that, that come along with that. Okay. That's great. And the rotational program, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Yeah. So, I think first and foremost, it might sound a little cheesy, but it, it is the truth. It's really nice and really cool to see people buying a home for folks to building wealth or biggest transaction that they ever do is, is buying a home. So it's always really nice to see these transactions happen. We did uh, 10,000 loans last year. So, you know, there's 10,000 people that we either A, bought a home or B, refinanced, you know, and we're able to kind of save some money. So 
Um, I think that, you know, for me, it kind of sticks with me, right? Because again, I've been alone. So I've seen and help people actually who could not buy a home and end up buying a home. So right. for me, one of the nice things about being in, in an industry, and then, you know, I think the second piece is is the people. I mean, this is very much a human industry, right? I mean, it's financial services, right? So there's not a product, there's not an right. iPhone that I make. I'm not making an actual product. So it's, it's a service that we're actually having to deliver. So with that, there's a lot of people that we have in our company today that I think has been really nice to see folks evolve from where you know, where they first start to where they have gotten to. So I think that's been really nice to see. Okay. Now, what about the flip side? What about challenges? What challenges or obstacles are out there for you? Oh, man. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that thing I told you about the credit crisis earlier? Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, so <laughs> subsequently from there, you know, lots of regulations have happened. We're probably one of the most regulated business in the United States. So there's always different things. So you, through the credit crisis, the CFPB was born mm -hmm. through the CFPB. There's lots of things that they're looking for that, you know, making sure that we're staying compliant through the CFPB. Big thing was, you know, making sure loan officers got licensed. That was one thing pre-credit crisis. You know, anybody could essentially be a loan officer, but now you have to go get licensed. And then those licensing standards are housed from state to state. So you know, the federal government says you got to be licensed, but then the state then dictates what the terms are for you to be licensed. So, and there's some commonalities where you have to meet, but each state is different. So there's a lots of compliance that we have to follow. And then other things, I mean, obviously we have a lot of competitors, so we got to stay competitive. It's a dog eat dog world. You eat what you kill, so to speak. So you mm -hmm. got to make sure that you are very competitive uh, across the board, especially as you're recruiting branches, as you're being able to, at the same time, want to offer, again, like I mentioned before, very competitive interest rates to our borrowers. So you do have to deal with that. So, you know, a lot of competition in this space. So I would say those are probably two biggest things that that's always concerning, but now it's just part of the day-to-day. -day. I don't even look right. at, you build that buffer into your day-to-day, -day, right? And so mm -hmm. it just is what it is, right? Okay. All right. Makes sense. So regulations and your competitors. Now, can you talk about one of the most memorable moments that you've had in your career? Anything that sticks out? Um, I mentioned, you know, a buddy of mine, buddy of ours, he was able to put this deal together, right? And so I owe a lot to him. Acho, if you're listening, salute. <laughs> but he was able to kind of put that together. And I think the, the last part, just recently, we were able to buy out our private equity company. Right. A, lot, a lot of companies not able to do that. It was kind of a right time, right opportunity. I mean, it worked out. And I think that was a, a really big uh, milestone for us to achieve. Definitely. Congrats on that. That's awesome. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, meanwhile, we're at the end of this interview. I want to head to our quick hitter question section where I'm going to ask okay. you just some, some questions for fun, for people to get to know you a little bit better. But before we do that, is there anything else that you would like to discuss or anything you think I might have left off asking you? No. I mean, this has been great. You know, it's not not often do you know talk about the mortgage banking world from this standpoint oftentimes when i'm talking i'm talking shop yeah. but you know kind of getting to telescope out and kind of talk about the space i, I think it, it was really nice so thank you for uh, putting this together I and mean, I, I do want to say you know mortgage banking is a great industry so if anybody they don't know what to do they're trying to think about maybe some other things i definitely peek underneath the hood and take a look at the mortgage space because this is a really cool industry yep yep definitely all right. So let's go to these quick hitter questions. All right. First question. Pretty sure I know the answer to this, but what's your favorite sports team? Houston Rockets. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
And now I will say Longhorn football is right there too. Right. So, you right. know, it, it's, kind, it's kind of a 1A, 1B. But, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm born and raised from Houston. So I'm a, hey, it's Houston Rockets for me. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Favorite movie or show? Uh, favorite movie? Man, that's, that's a lot. I mean, the Godfathers come to mind, I would say, uh, for, uh, for me. Anyone yeah. in particular stand out? One or uh, two? Godfather 2. Two. Yeah, yeah, that's two, my favorite two, two of uh, the yeah, Godfathers. For me, for sure. All right. Favorite musical artist or group? Jay-Z, no doubt. Yeah, I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Jay-Z, <laughs> especially as a businessman. Yeah, he's, he's it. He's what yeah. he is. All right. Favorite vacation spot? Hawaii. Mm. For sure. Hawaii. Maui. Uh, All right. And favorite food or drink? Favorite food, I'm going to say, man, nothing like a good, just a good cheeseburger. I I like a good, good cheeseburger. Favorite drink, I'm going to go with, man, I just like just a a nice glass of a red wine, Mm. I'd say. All right. Nice big bowl cab. So, yeah. And uh, cheeseburger from anywhere in particular or just anywhere? Houston's. Houston's. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, hey, Miwell, this has been great. Like you said earlier, buying a house is the biggest transaction that most people will ever do. And like you said, it's the number one way for folks to build wealth. And I, I love that you're in your company, that when you you and Zach are doing and just the Ron Zach are doing and just the amount of people that you're helping and touching. And you, I think you said 10,000 loans you were able to do in last year yeah that's just incredible yeah. man so keep doing what you're doing congrats on all your achievement man and uh thank you for coming on to this podcast I really appreciate it for sure i appreciate it thank you rj for putting this together it's been a great run and you know the run's still going but thank you again rj thanks again all right and it's your website people can go to learn more about nrl mortgage and is there any way that they can contact you do you have ig or linkedin yeah, if you just go to uh, www.nrlmortgage.com, okay. you'll be able to uh, find us there. Um, on there, you, you, you can go to uh, About Us, and uh, I'm on the page there. Uh, I, our Instagram page is NRL, NRL Mortgage or at NRL Mortgage uh, or at NRL Mewell. So, um, yeah. All right. Get in contact. All right. Cool. Thanks a lot, Mewell. Hi, RJ. Have a good one. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.